want to uh, take you to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And uh, I guess uh, not the same messages this morning, not really connected, but I guess kind of in the same overall idea of uh, not here this evening just to simply remind you that everything's going to be okay, and it is, that we're going to get through this, and we are, um, but, but there's other things that uh, God wants to say and do, and uh, sometimes when we are in a position to have to slow down and uh, listen, um, we can we can hear some things and God can do some things of of great significance. So, First Peter, chapter number two, and I will begin reading with verse number six. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Notice that. He's not precious to everyone. He's not precious to the whole world. He is precious to those that believe. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. Other translations say that the, that the builders rejected. The same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want to talk to you this evening for a little while on this subject, cornerstone or stumbling block. Cornerstone or stumbling block, and let's uh, let's take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this evening. I'm not interested in just taking up your time tonight because that's what we normally do. It is my desire that the Spirit of the Lord would speak to us, that we would hear something from Him this evening. Father, I ask you tonight again that you would speak to us through your Word. I thank you again for your presence, your spirit that has been manifested this evening in this house, and I believe in the homes of others, God. I thank you for that. And I'm praying, God, that you would speak to us this evening. God, I don't want to just talk. I don't want to just take up time because we've got nothing else to do. I want to be a conduit. I want to be a vessel that you can flow through, that you can speak through. Trust you for your anointing tonight, Lord. I depend on you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Unto you which believe, he is precious. Again, that, that saying, it's not automatically to everyone. Hebrews tells us that he that cometh to God must believe he must believe there there is there is a necessary element of faith there has to be faith he that cometh to god must believe and not just believe that he's god but you've also got to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and so peter says here that that it's to those who believe that He is precious. 
I, I think that's, that's something important for us to be reminded of. It's, it's something important for us to, to try to keep in our minds periodically because if we're not careful, we can, we can look at the world. Part of the uniqueness of, of the last couple of weeks is, is looking out my window and while you and I are gathered together for this time, I, I see bikers out and I see joggers and I, I see neighbors that are out walking their dogs or just out walking for exercise themselves. And, and uh, obviously they may have gone or may be in church some other time than that, but, uh, but I got a feeling some of them aren't. And, and I've often kind of, as I've stood here in my living room and I've seen them, I don't know that they can really see me or not, but I've, I've thought, you know, it's, this is kind of unique. Here I am doing what I'm doing, what we're doing, and, and there are people passing by that, that they are uh, unaware, they're, they're not connected to God. And so if we're not careful, we can let the unbeliever, we can let the unbeliever's lack of dedication and commitment, the unbeliever's lack of relationship with God. If we're not careful, we can let that sow seeds of doubt in our minds. And so we, we've got to understand what Peter says, that he is precious to those who believe. But to those that are disobedient, and, and uh, it's kind of interesting, he goes from talking about those who believe to responding, he doesn't say to those that don't believe. He says to those who are disobedient. And I believe that part of the context of that is there is such a connection. There is a correlation between faith and obedience. So he says that to them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same is is made the head of the corner. And, and that's kind of talking in terminology of, of building with, with, uh, with stones and bricks. And, and, and so it's saying the, the builders, they had this stone, the cornerstone. The, the cornerstone was, was used to kind of get everything aligned. It was a very important part of a, of a building. And so it's saying the builders, they looked at this stone. The builders looked at the stone and rejected it. They disallowed it. They didn't want it to be a part of the process of their building. But he says the same, the same thing that the builders rejected has actually become the head of the corner. And then Peter goes on again in verse 8 to say this, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So, so it's 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 a it's a cornerstone to the believer, to the one that believes the word of God, and the one that believes God. Not only is he precious, but that becomes a part of the foundation. But but to the unbeliever, to the disobedient, it becomes a rock of offense. It becomes a stone. Of stumbling. There's, there's, as is the case with many different passages of scriptures, there's, there's so many different applications and things to learn, things that can be gleaned from them, and, and uh, that's the case here with this. There's so many different directions that you can go from, from these verses that I have read to you. But let me see if I can kind of bring a little bit more narrow of a focus here. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24, and, and uh, these words of Jesus were recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There, there are some things that, that are only recorded in one of the Gospels. There are some things you can find in all four and then a mix. But these words, and almost, almost these identical words, I think there's a few major differences between them if I remember correctly, but the, the basic gist of these words are found in all three, are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus says this, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, and follow me. 
there's a there's a term in the business world, I guess in advertising and marketing, there's a term that's called bait and switch tactics. I'm going to tell you this evening, Jesus does not use bait and switch tactics. According to Webster's, Webster's defines bait and switch as this. It is a sales tactic in which a customer is attracted by the advertisement of a low-priced item, but is then encouraged to buy a higher-priced one. They are are attracted by something advertised for a low-priced, but that's intended to be the bait, and then then you're trying to get them to buy a higher-priced item. I, I, I wrestled with this morning and I've wrestled again with tonight. I can't tell you how much my flesh wants to just come into these times and settings with just simply positive and encouraging and uplifting things, but that's not my calling. That's not what I've been called to do and to the best of my ability. I, I try to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. So as is the case this morning in a different way, but tonight, but I, I've come with a I've come with a challenge. I've come with some reminders this evening. I I I have felt, I have believed for a while now, several years, concerned with the fact that in in Christianity and 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 at first the broader sense of Christianity, but I, I think it's even began to creep into the to the realms of apostolics where we, we're trying these bait and switch tactics. We, we don't want to tell you the full truth up front because it'll, it'll scare you away. I'd like to see an example where that's what, that was the tactic Jesus used. <laughs> I mean, it, how, it's, not, it's not very good advertising. It's not much of an appeal to say, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. And you got to take up your cross, and you know, let, let, let's let's take a few baby steps first, Jesus. Let, let's kind of start off easy and then break us in. He he just goes straight to the punch. You're going to follow me. If you're going to come after me, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. You you got to follow me. Now now I will I will pause and tell you he he meets us where we are. To me, one of the best examples, I've preached a message several times, and I think I've called it the progression of faith, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great example, and that's, that's, that's the story of Nicodemus. He, 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 meets, he meets Nicodemus the first time, as most of you know, in John chapter 3, and and John says that, that, that he met Jesus by night. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. And the reason was he was, he was a part of the group that, that wasn't uh, buying into who Jesus said he was. They, they opposed him. We just talked about, him, about uh, them on, on Thursday evening in Life of Christ. And so uh, Nicodemus had a reputation. He had some things he was not quite willing to just give up right away. And, and so he meets Jesus by night, and Jesus met him. I kind of find it interesting that, that uh, Jesus did not respond and say, hey, you know, tell Nicodemus if he wants to know something about me, if he's interested in who I am, what I am, I'll, I'll meet him in the middle of the day where everybody can see. Jesus met him at the level of faith he was at. But even at that, he, he didn't just give him some... Uh, uh, you know, just just toss him a, a bone per se. I mean, he comes right off the bat and says, "Hey, if you want to see the kingdom, you got to be born again. If you want to enter the kingdom, you got to be born again." That's the first time we see Nicodemus. The second time we hear about Nicodemus in the book of John is is he speaks up in the in the in the midst of the religious rulers and. And he's not, he doesn't speak up to say, hey, I believe in Jesus and I, I believe He is who He says He is. He just, he just simply kind of makes a statement that's in a little bit of a defense of Jesus. And then the third time, the third major time we see Nicodemus is actually after the death of Jesus. And that's where in today's terminology He came out of the closet 
except he came out of the closet with his faith in Jesus Christ. Because he was publicly at that point identified with Jesus helping to take care of the body of Jesus. And so understand there, there is a level of love and compassion. I, I preached this morning that part of the context of God's delay is His mercy and grace. I'm not, I'm not talking tonight about uh, 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 beating people upside the head with the, with the Word of God. The old saying is it's not an axe and two thirty-eights. That, that's not my point tonight, but the point is, we've we, we got to understand, to those of us that believe this is precious, to those that believe who He is and what He is, it's precious. To the unbeliever, it's not. To those that are looking for just a, a, a simple way, to those that are looking for just a, a cheap bargain, I know I reference it. There's some things that I feel like I, that I do or reference or use periodically. I said it this morning uh, at the end of the service. I, I think I quote songs a lot when I preach. And, and uh, there, there's other things that, um, at least to me, feel like that they, um, they are, uh, make their way periodically into my teaching and preaching and, and examples and analogies and I'm rambling on and, and lost my place. This is the second week in a row. Not to mention that the uh, Amazon Prime guy is actually making his way up to the door right now. That's another distraction that does not usually happen in a church service. And he's looking through the window at me, probably wondering what in the world is that guy doing there. So, here we go. Another new experience. Thank you, Amazon Prime, for delivering on a Sunday. Where was I? What in the world was I saying? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Yeah, a song. I think it was going to be about a song. I've lost my... Uh, I've lost it. Um, <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hopefully you're getting a nice uh, bit of humor from the, the moment here. There are some distractions I've experienced while preaching and these last couple of weeks between our dog and now the delivery guy, that's, that's, a, that's a new thing. Oh my goodness. Nathaniel, last time we knew exactly where I was and helped me. I, oh boy. Yeah, I know. A song when I was preaching, but what song? <laughs> we were distracted by the truck too. Yes. Well, let's go on. It'll come back in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. So, so Paul said we're a savor, we're, a, we're a, an aroma to the saved and to the unsaved. But now listen to what he says. To the one, we are a savor of death unto death. And to the other, we are the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? It's, it's, the, it's the same thing, but it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of what side you're on. It's, it's a matter of what your faith is. It's a matter of where your relationship is. It's the same savor, it's the, it's the same scent, it's the same aroma. But, but to one, again going back to what Peter said, to one it is a cornerstone, but to, to the other it is a stumbling block. First Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The cross, the preaching of the cross. One subject, one topic. But to those that are not saved, those that are lost, it's foolishness. But to those which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing 
the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Notice in those verses, Paul is saying some things kind of similar to what Peter was saying, but... But notice, it's the same thing. It's the same subject. It's it's the same idea. But from one perspective, it's foolishness. From one perspective, it's worthless. From from one perspective, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. But from the other side, to the believer, to the to the one that is called, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. The same thing. It's the same thing. We, we I started on it a little bit earlier. I think I kind of made the point, but I'm going I'm to come back to it. We, 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 can't, we can't dumb this down. Right. We, we, can't, we can't dumb it down. Going back, I don't think this was the point I got distracted from a few minutes ago, but again, going, going back to, to, to Nicodemus. Again, I'm not saying that we, we beat people upside the head with the Word of God, with what's good, but at the same time, we got to understand, to one, it's a stumbling block. From one perspective, it's, it's something that is of no value, of no worth. To another, it's precious. To another, it means everything. To to another, it's something they're willing to die for. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse number 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. I want you to notice something in that verse, in verse number two. He says, "Be instant in a season and out of season. preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Be be ready." Now, now watch what he watch what Paul instructs Timothy to do: reprove, rebuke, exhort. Then he says, "Do it with all long suffering and doctrine." So. Long-suffering there is is about the attitude. It's about the approach. It's about the spirit with which it is is done. I've heard my dad talk through the years and and, 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 and in ministerial training, whether that was conversations one-on-one or in other settings, and and, and talking about when, when we preach about the judgment of God, when we preach about hell, we preach about the wrath of God. We, we should give the other side. When we preach about the coming judgment, we also should preach about the fact there is hope. Right. We have hope. There, there's that other side to it. 
And so it should be done with love and compassion. Again, this morning, the, the delay of God, the delay of what seems to be the delay of His promises is based on the long-suffering of God, not willing that any should perish. But again, but again there's, there's three things in this verse that Paul instructs Timothy to do. Three things. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I don't know what you think of those first two words, but to me, they they have a little bit of a negative connotation. I don't like to be reproved. I don't like to be rebuked. I don't like to be corrected. I don't like to have the finger pointed at me and told tell to tell me where I'm wrong or what I'm doing is wrong. But notice there, two-thirds... Two-thirds of what Paul told Timothy to do, you would put, if you were going to categorize these positive or negative, two-thirds of those you would put in the negative side. It was only one-third of that that sounds positive, exhort. Exhorting sounds like encouraging, uplifting. Shine FM. Reprove, rebuke. I I want you to think, and man, today you can do it more than any other day. Do it on Facebook. You can do it on YouTube. Those two places alone, they're full of it. But you go through and listen. Listen to preaching. See how much reproving you hear. See how much rebuking you hear. The great majority of what you're going to hear is exhorting, encouraging, uplifting. Yes, that's a part of it. And believe me, I don't, I, I don't like the first two. But my point to you is tonight is if we are not careful, and, 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 and I am, I, to those of you that may be listening, that you've been given the responsibility of preaching and, and teaching and setting various settings, then I'm challenging you. But, but more so tonight, the majority of you that are sitting and listening and watching, are, you're usually on the receiving end. And I, I, I'm challenging you tonight to not let yourself get caught up with the appetite of those that he is not precious to. To just simply scroll through Facebook until you find something that is simply encouraging and uplifting. No, I don't like it. I don't like preaching it and I don't like receiving the rebuke and the exhort, or excuse me, the reproof and the rebuke, but that's what Paul expressed to Timothy. Again, he told him, do it with long-suffering. Do it with patience. Do it with kindness. Do it with compassion. But don't avoid it. And, he says, do it with doctrine. Doctrine? Man, that's, a, that's, that's becoming more and more of a dirty word in 2020. <laughs> We're just about love. We're just about mercy. We're just about grace. Doctrine? Paul says, do it with Doctrine. And here's why. Man, if this does not describe the day and time we're living in and have been living in for a while, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. That, there's that word lust again in the context of the message this morning. That's the word that, that gets us into trouble. After their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's a time that's coming in which they don't want sound doctrine. They they don't want strong meat. They want something that is going to tickle their ears. That's other translations say it that way. Just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm, tell me I'm all good. Tell me everything is fine. Don't, don't tell me I need to change. Don't tell me I, 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 I've got to live a different way. Notice he says they heap to themselves. They heap to themselves. Teachers, preachers having itching ears. I... I don't keep meaning to reference this morning, but a couple things keep coming back, and I, 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 um, 
Wow. Two times in, in one message, just poof. <laughs> just, just, just left me. Ah, there it is. The scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. I, 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 in one sense, I've struggled to understand that verse, and 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 I think there's some things. You know, we look at technology, we look at some of the things in the world today, but but I don't think that's really the that that's what the wise man was addressing. I think he was addressing when it comes to our struggles, our attitudes, our challenges that we as human beings face, there's nothing new. And yet the enemy has a tactic of trying to get us to think that we are facing something that's never been faced before. I uh my I I I, I the books that I enjoy reading the books that I read are by authors, most of them that are dead. <laughs> and many of them, a couple of them were, were British pastors or evangelists. and uh, Others of them were preachers in, in this country. But they, 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 were written, they were usually written somewhere in the late 1800s into the mid-1900s. And a couple of years ago, I, I was reading... One of those books, and that book was by a man by the name of E.M. Bounds. And as I was reading, and this book was written again, it was written somewhere in the early 1900s, early 1900s, before technology the way we have it, before so many of the luxuries that we now have in life. And in this book written in the early 1900s, he talked about, and if I'm not mistaken, he used this exact term. If it wasn't this exact term, it was, it was close enough that it, it, it was the same exact issue. But he talked about the prosperity doctrine. Early 1900s, again, no television, no televangelist, no, no, no all, not all of the outlets with which we can easily get preaching and all the things we want today. Before all of the modern advances of technology, before all of the nice cars and all of the night, all, before all of that, he preached, he wrote about the challenge the church was facing in dealing with the prosperity. I read that and I thought, how could that be? Surely that just is something that's come about in the last 20 years or so, especially it usually is, uh, you know, it, it gets, it gets uh, put on the tele-evangelist, the, the prosperity doctrine. And yet, a hundred years ago, he was addressing it as an issue in the church. But the enemy wants us to think we're, we're suddenly dealing with something that, that is new, and so we need to change. We need to take what is precious to some and lessen it so we can appeal to those who have discarded and rejected it. Attitude and spirit absolutely should be right, should be love and compassion, but it doesn't mean we dumb down, it doesn't mean we sell a cheaper version. They're looking, they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And then it says this, this is, this, is, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, but he's prophesying, and he's prophesying something that fits today. They will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. They're going to turn away from the truth and, and they're going to turn to stuff that's not real because they've got itching ears. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. Let me read to you those verses again from the Message Bible. Verse 1 says it this way, I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ Himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open with His rule. So proclaim the message with intensity. 
Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Challenge, warn, and urge. You know, the, the Message Bible at times gets a bad rap, and, and I know there's parts of it that I don't like as much as I like the way it says some things, but notice the Message Bible, it doesn't even have the positive like the King, King James has in there. Message Bible, he says, challenge, warn, and urge. Challenge, warn, and urge. Challenge, warn, and urge. Don't stay where you are. Don't become complacent. Don't, don't find the lowest level of relationship and walk with God. Don't, don't look for the lowest level of commitment to get by. He says, with intensity. I, I know, I, I probably don't need to get off track here, but oh well. I know we, 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 we have more and more not just the outside, but inside, we label things. Well, that's just culture. And, and, and one of those things is preaching style. Well, that's just, you know, that's just culture. Maybe it is culture, but I'd actually like to think that maybe, maybe some of my style when it comes to preaching is connected to what Paul told Timothy here. An intensity. You ever, you ever talk to somebody just in a typical conversation, a subject that... That, that they were passionate about. It's like, whoa, man, back off. It could be a good con. I mean, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but, man, they're coming at you. They're, they're in your face. They're up in your personal bubble. And it's like, whoa. But, but we, 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 we've got to, you know, we've we got to settle down. we just got to talk now. We don't, oh, boy, I'm, I need to get. I'm going to preach. He says, with intensity. Challenge, warn, urge. You got wounds? God can heal you. It, this has already been. I've seen it on social media, so I'm hopefully I'm assuming it's okay to reference it. I, I, I the sister Alicia Kimbrell posted a testimony on Instagram, and if you're on Instagram, you you need to see that testimony. Wow. Assuming you're probably watching Alicia, you, you dropped some bombs of revelation in that testimony. Yeah. <laughs> you, you said some stuff that I, there's some adults that I don't think have a grasp on. We got wounds. Can God heal us? Absolutely. We got baggage in our past. Does, does God want it to? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I've heard people debate about whether well, church is a hospital. Well, the church is not a hospital. I actually fall on the side that the church is like a hospital. Because I've been in hospitals as a patient a couple of times. And I will tell you that was not the most pleasant experience. Some say the church is a hospital, meaning we're just it's supposed to be all lovey-dovey and caring and whatever. But, but I, I've had a couple of surgeries now at the hospital. was not enjoyable was not what I was doing for fun, wasn't my leisurely activity for the day, but at the hospital there was some pain caused. At the hospital there was some cutting that was done on me. At the hospital there was some digging that was done, but the eventual result of that was recovery. It was overcoming. It was victory. Oh, we don't want to do that anymore because... We're not facing anything new. Read the Bible. Read the challenges. Listen, this is what Paul's telling Timothy 2,000 years ago. People are going to have itching ears. Proclaim the message with intensity. Keep your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Now listen to this. You're going to find there will be times when people have no stomach for solid teaching. Here we go in good old message Bible fashion. But we'll fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. No stomach for solid teaching, but they'll fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. 
They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you, but you, Timothy, but you, saints, you to whom He is precious, keep your eye on what you're doing, accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive, do a thorough job as God's servant. I think this may have been what I started to reference earlier when I lost it. I think it may be. We, we are in this world now. In fact, I just as I was studying for this evening, I took a moment and did it online. You can, you can go on the internet and you can, you can find websites that are all about name brand stuff for cheaper prices. That's, that's some websites that are basically retailers, online stores. And then, of course, there's the whole uh, online consignment idea now that's available posh mart or posh mark is it posh mart posh mart that you can all about a lot of it's about finding uh, name brand stuff timothy has learned from others in this house about thrifting and apparently it's my understanding california's got some really good thrifting he's bought some clothing items that potentially could sell for or originally sold for hundreds of dollars that he's gotten them for a couple of dollars. I, I don't think from a natural perspective there's anything wrong with looking for a bargain. I don't think from a natural perspective there's anything trying to get something really good for really cheap. That doesn't work in the spiritual realm, right? doesn't work when it comes to truth. It doesn't work when it comes to salvation. There's no bait and switch. There's no bargain prices for salvation. If you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. What in the what kind of sales pitch is that? No, we, we want to dance around and and again, I'm not proposing beating people over the head with truth. The bottom line is, if you believe, He's precious. If you don't believe, He's a stumbling block. The same thing to one is precious to another is a stumbling block. Listen to a couple of things that Adam Clark commentary says about what Paul says here. First off, with the idea of the time will come, he says there is a time coming to the church. There is a time... Notice, and I know this is not divinely inspired, this commentary, but, but nevertheless, there is a time coming to the church. Not the world, the church. When men will not hear the practical truths of the gospel when they will prefer speculative opinions which either do no good to the soul or corrupt and destroy it to that wholesome doctrine of deny thyself, take up thy cross and follow me which Jesus Christ has left in His church. They, they don't want, they're not going to want to have anything to do with that. Deny myself? This is America. <laughs> Has that not been one of the biggest challenges of the last couple of weeks? We are being told to do stuff that violates or we perceive violates our freedom and our rights. Nobody's going to tell me when I can't go somewhere. Nobody's going to tell me to put on a mask. No, nobody's going to tell me to stay at home. We... we we don't want to be told, deny myself, take up my cross, follow Him. With regards to after their own lust, He says, they will follow and hate 
They will follow the ones that tell them what they want to hear, but they will hate these preachers and that doctrine by which they are opposed. Not just indifferent. If you're going to tell me contrary to what I want to hear, if you're going to tell me contrary to what is convenient and appealing to me, I'm going to hate you. They will add one teacher to another. Run and gad about after all to find out those who insist not on the necessity of bearing the cross, of being crucified to the world and of having the mind that was in Jesus. In this disposition, interested men often find their account. They set up for teachers and widen and strew with flowers the way down to eternal ruin taking care to soothe the passions and flatter the vices of a trifling, superficial people. The Word of God is not a motivational self-help book. The Word of God is not intended to be in the motivational self-help section of the bookstore. The preaching and the teaching of the Word of God is not intended to be something that just simply soothes your conscience and tells you everything is fine and you're fine and it's all going to be good. I have to be, I have to be honest with you. I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I have to be transparent. I always try to be honest. But I've, I've thought a little bit today after preaching this morning and then feeling the direction that I felt for this evening. In fact, I actually prayed a little bit earlier today a prayer of repentance because over the last couple of years, I think I've become more and more intimidated to teach and preach along the lines of what I'm sharing with you this evening or preach this morning. There's, there's, too, much, there's too much of an attitude in our world, in the church, that you know... you. Dial it down, dial it back, and and then I I, I got to be uh, I'll be even more transparent. I I know <laughs> again, especially these last couple of weeks, nobody knows what you're doing at 10 a.m. Nobody knows what you're doing at 6 p.m. You 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 very well may be logging on to a service, but. You may have found somebody in the last several weeks that you like to hear better than me. You, you may have found somebody in the last couple of weeks that's got a better personality, that's better looking than I am. I say it that way not to be conceited, but my wife tells me I'm good looking, so I'm just taking her word for that. You may have found somebody that's sweeter and kinder than me, and I, I, I'm being very transparent. That thought crosses my mind. We, we can't judge we, we don't, you've, I've expressed this before, the challenge when we do have a church service, the, the challenge of the size of the crowd and, and the challenge of getting the numbers that we had in a service and, and it being a down number and discouraged and frustrated and we don't even have that now and, and uh, I, I really am back and forth that maybe I need to take a break from this but it's, it's one of the ways to try to measure a little bit of the reach that we're having and so I, I usually go on after some point after service and look on Facebook and see how many views we had, which I also know that just because there was a view, that doesn't mean somebody sat and listened and watched the whole thing, but nevertheless, I'll be very, (laughs) I'm pushing the transparency line here. There have been a couple times I've scroll through Facebook and as many other churches and churches that maybe in the past didn't even do live stream are now doing it because of the circumstances. I'm, I'm taking a peek. How many views did they have? How many views did we have? The challenge is, in times like this especially, there's, there's all kind of teachers, preachers. Do I want to risk preaching Something that's going to cause, that's not going to tickle your ears? Do I want to risk the fact that maybe ultimately he turns out to just be a stumbling block and he's not your cornerstone? Endless curiosity, listen to this, endless last statement by Adam Clark. Endless curiosity 
an insatiable desire of variety. And they get their ears tickled with the language and accent of the person, abandoning the good and faithful preacher for the fine speaker. Endless curiosity and insatiable desire of variety, and they get their ears tickled with the language and accent of the person abandoning the good and faithful preacher for the fine speaker. I'm going to really put myself out there right now. I've been a little bit disturbed at times the last couple of weeks at apostolics that I have seen sharing either messages or clips of messages by preachers, by pastors, that it's pretty obvious they don't believe anything near what we as apostolics believe. Am I saying that God can't use other people? Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is it's a really dangerous, slippery slope. When you start finding yourself being tempted and drawn to what's going to tickle your ears. When you find yourself seeking out a message, a preacher, a pastor that's just going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not naive enough to think that as a pastor, and even for those of you that are watching tonight that are a part of Antioch Central, I'm not naive enough to think liking me is a requirement. It wouldn't really surprise me if there's people that are faithful, committed members and a part even in leadership of Antioch Central that maybe you don't really like me but your spiritual maturity is enough and your level of dedication and commitment to God is enough that you know it's it's not about personality do I want to be like you better believe it I want it as much as probably anybody else said it a couple of weeks ago going back to my dad's answer to a lot of issues need to die more in that area for sure. The Lord told Ezekiel or spoke through Ezekiel, He said this, If I tell you to warn the wicked, and you warn the wicked, and they don't answer, they don't hear, they don't respond, they don't change, then their blood is on them. But he said, if I tell you to warn the wicked and you don't warn the wicked, their blood is now on you. To me, that is something every man and woman of God that preaches and teaches ought to take into account regularly. It's easy to get caught up in the temptation to tickle ears and just say what needs to be said. I, the last couple of weeks, I probably have gotten more comments, compliments on things I've taught and preached in the last couple of weeks than I have in, in years. I love it. I enjoy it. I, I, my flesh likes it. <laughs> I appreciate it, Pastor. That was a good. I needed that. You you helped me today. I, I I love all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to tickle your ears. And I know I'm not the only one. Believe me, there are people all around this world, many that probably do a better job at it than I do. Again, I I'd much rather be just encouraging and uplifting you this evening with something that seems or feels more positive. But I, I just have 
combination of this morning and this evening, what I've taught, preached, talked to you about, something that's just kind of been troubling me the last couple of weeks. For some reason, I guess the the intensity of being online and, and the number of things that are so quickly online now, maybe they've always been there, but it seems to be that they're more readily accessible right now. Can I, can I plead with you this evening? Can I challenge you this evening? Don't let what should be precious. Don't let what should be the cornerstone of your foundation become a stumbling block. Don't, don't, let, don't let what Paul said to Timothy and Again, going back to the Message Bible, don't, don't let it be that you reach a place you've got no stomach for solid teaching, but all you want is spiritual junk food. I don't know how many years ago my wife did it the first time, but I think it's been a long time now. She made homemade whipped cream and strawberries and done that a time or two through the years last night yesterday there was some strawberries that she said were on the verge of not being good anymore and I as brother Vernell Spriggs says I'm a good negotiator being the good negotiator I am I volunteered to take care of those strawberries if there would be some fresh homemade whipped cream made and I sat at the table. I don't know if anybody else was interested in it or not. I didn't say anything. Some of them knew it was there, so if they wanted it, they could have come. But it was the mixing bowl. It was the mixing bowl that the whipped cream was in. And the strawberries were not cut up. They were just the green part was cut off. And I sat with a fork, the strawberries in a bowl, and the mixing bowl. And I would dip the strawberry in... And there was probably three times as much whipped cream on the strawberry as there was a strawberry. And I would only bite a portion of the strawberry off. And then I would double dip. I, I was enjoying myself. You know what? As, as, as good as that whipped cream tasted, there, there, was, there was no substance to it. There was no, there was no fulfilling to my stomach from it. Tastes good, yeah. Enjoyable, yeah. Any real benefit? Not really. If you just want some spiritual whipped cream, if there's ever been a time where it's available, it's available. You just want some spiritual cotton candy. Take a big old ball of fluffy cotton candy, stick it in your mouth, and in just seconds, it turns into nothing. I believe that I'm talking to some people tonight that thankfully, by the grace and mercy of God, you don't have itching ears that you're just looking for them to be tickled. But I challenge you, just because we're there right now is not a given that that's the way we're always going to be because the enemy is always looking to try to get a foothold in our lives. Even after, I guess, almost two months of doing this, I'm still trying to get used to things and hopefully... Don't have to get used to them for too long. One of those things is how you do an altar call or how do you do prayer at the end. And we've done it obviously a couple different ways. But I I want to just take a few more moments and I've asked them to do part of altar call to sing a song that we've sung several times in church now. I think this is actually a really unique, I really hadn't thought of it this way until this moment, but as it's begun 
to be sung, and you may not know all the words, but you'll probably know enough of them. What a what an amazing opportunity to make this a declaration in your home. We've sung it a bunch of times in church, or not a bunch, but we've sung it a number of times in church, and, and that's a great thing, and I love to do that. Can't wait to have a chance to do it again, but but I think making this your proclamation where you live tonight, Making it a part of the atmosphere of your residence is, I think, a, a really powerful thing. So, I'm going to sing for a few moments, and I may come back in a second with some uh, ending words here. But would you make this your prayer this evening?
last couple of weeks, there's been many times where I've asked for your peace to settle upon the homes, the families, the individuals that are watching. And I have and will continue to pray that, but I'm asking you tonight, God, that you would let a love for truth settle. Let a love for the truth of your word settle on every family, every home, every individual. Lord, today is a time like no other where we can heap to ourselves, teachers, to satisfy our itching ears, God. It's so easy and it's such a temptation to our flesh to just sort of soothe our spiritual conscience. I pray tonight that you would help us. That you would help us, God, to love your word and the truth of your word above our own personal preferences, our own personal desires above what our flesh desires. Lord, you said if we did not have a love for the truth, if we weren't willing to buy the truth and sell it not, that you, not the devil, Lord, but you would send a strong delusion that we would believe a lie. Renew in us a love for your truth. Renew in us a love for the truth of Your Word, God, in the midst of a world that was prophesied by Your Word, through Your Word, that we would be in, that we are in today, God, don't let us, don't let us fall into the category that You have become a stumbling block. But, oh God, be precious. Be precious to us. Let Your Word be precious to us. Let the truth of Your Word precious to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. Thank you again for sharing your time with us. Trust and pray that God has ministered and spoken to you this evening in Jesus' name. God bless you.